Amy, I'm going to start things off pretty difficult. And I just have to know right away, what is the most harmful lie we tell ourselves about sales? The most harmful lie we tell ourselves about sales? Yes. Is that... Well, you really stumped me with this one. Sorry. The most harmful lie we tell ourselves about sales is that you are either born to be good at it or you um, are born not to be good at it when in fact it is a set of skills to be learned. <laughs> okay, fantastic. I like that. Um, because that people, I mean, you probably know this like growing up. I don't know if you were just the natural salesperson. Um, but you know, you're like, oh, I'm, I'm not a, you know, I'm not a salesperson. Like they have this sort of definition of what, you know, that means and what requires to be successful. But I mean, what have you found over the years? I had an opportunity in my college career when I was doing internships, summer jobs, where I had the opportunity to work at a tech organization. And as an intern, you do all the duties as assigned. So I was assisting all different kinds of departments in the company. And I had the opportunity to be around this group of salespeople. And I really didn't have any idea of what salespeople did, but I felt like I, that they were kind of my people and I clicked with them. And one of the things that dispelled that, that myth for me um, was the idea that these were skills to be learned. I watched them as they worked and they were really problem solvers for their prospects and clients, which for me took away any stigma of what someone in sales does. So what did you find? What was the skill that really made it click for you? Mm. You know, I would say one of the biggest skills that made it click for me early on was that sales is really about helping people solve their biggest problems. And mm. if I could be that person to collaborate with them, to help them solve that, that that's really the essence of what it means to sell. And that, that was probably one of the biggest takeaways early on in my career that I've taken with me this whole time, whether it's an enterprise level selling or now more as an entrepreneurial seller. Have you found there to be a, a drastic difference to, to, the, to a sale? Because people always maybe talk themselves out of that sale that they can't get or do. You know, have you up and down the food chain, has it all looked a lot more similar than you thought it would? In terms of, um, in terms of being able to talk ourselves out of getting a sale? Just being able to even like step in, you know, like you said, like, I'm not, I can't sit at that table. I can't, you know, walk in the room with that person or, you know, I mean, whatever reason, like that's too big of an account or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. Know? Yep. You know, I would say that the mindset piece of it, you're, you're talking about mindset in the way that we show up and the way that we, um, we own our presence and how we want to, I think of it as wanting to be of service to the people that I'm working with. That seed was planted for me early on. And I think that it has just continued to grow. Even as I have found myself in bigger, more complex deals, more high stakes clients, whatever that looks like, that, that seed of, of service and problem solving I have grown and evolved in my career, and I am hopefully solving even bigger, more strategic problems for my prospects and clients. So, you know, I completely obviously agree with the whole like solving a problem, right? We sometimes overcomplicate what a sale is. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know how familiar you are with the insurance folks, but that's, you know, that's, th- those are my people. Um, and, you know, that's what we do every day is like, that's a problem, right? Like it's, it's a little more abstract. Um, and, and we, we naturally lean towards it, but then again, there's sometimes we want to fit that thing into that, 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 you know, that, that square peg into that round hole. And, um, you know, wh- when, when it comes to something that is less tangible, that it, that is kind of more, you know, we've got to work through a whole set of things. Like what, like what, when it comes to that problem, how do you approach it? And, and what do you think ultimately helps somebody identify? Because we, that that's, it comes back to listening. Like, I guess maybe this is where I want to get the question is, you know, how do, how do you, how have you learned to identify those problems maybe better or faster than somebody else? Yeah. So, um, so thinking about the people who are listening to this that are in likely in the insurance space, whether you are on the carrier side, you're on the broker side, you, you are, you are somewhere connected to the industry. We're selling a complex product or service. We are, I, I see it as being a business advisor to our prospects and clients. So the more that I see myself as a business advisor, the more that I'm going to spend time, and I think this gets to your question, the more that I'm going to spend time getting the right intelligence about that prospect or client, what are the biggest things that they're solving for? Even if my product or service isn't attached to that, it's knowing about their business because that type of background gives me so much more confidence and ability to prep when I actually have a conversation with that C-level person or that influential person or that decision maker. It's that background that I gather to help me formulate a good three to five questions. This is kind of tactical, but if I can walk into a conversation with a good three to five big picture questions, at least in the beginning, I feel more confident and prepared. And that means that if you're the person I'm talking to, you feel more confident because I'm prepared. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's the, the, that's the one thing that sometimes gets the best of us is we have too many, you know, options and, and how powerful, well, let me ask this because, you know, with insurance, we have, you know, some people could say, well, I've got 10 companies and they're a little fuzzy, you know, around mm-hmm. the edges, but with yeah. what you do, you know, there's probably a little bit more level of, like you said, maybe preparation because there maybe maybe it's more in your control. Um, in, in situations where, you know, there is maybe some moving parts, you know, it, it's been three months since you checked on the latest underwriting guideline or whatever it is. Right. Um, you know, it's okay to say, I don't know, or where, where do you come down on, you know, how do you, how do you kind of get, pre- present them with the most trust, but still kind of provide, you know, the, as much information as possible. Yeah. So there, there's a, there's a good balance there, which in the balance is trying to think a few steps ahead as to what might be some of the challenges that they're wanting to solve that I need to be prepared for. And there is something to be said for having confidence to say, you know, Joey, there might be a question or two that that comes out of this conversation that I need to go back and do some more homework on and then come back to you. So if those things come up, we will we'll parking lot those. We'll do some additional homework and we'll come back to you and make sure that you you get those questions answered. There there's something there is something to that confidence to not feel like you have to have every single answer out of the gate, but to be able to be agile and fluid and come back. I don't know that I want to know the answer to this question, Amy, but I'm going to ask it anyways. All right, shoot. Um, what's the worst sales experience you've had with an insurance agent? The worst that I've had with an insurance agent. <laughs> 
You know, I would say, so we have, um, I have, we have personal insurance. I have insurance on the business. Yep. I don't know if I have a specific single worst, but I would say the complexities of having a lot of different requirements, both personally and professionally, and feeling like the companies that I'm working with, company or companies, is that they are watching all of those and that I can have the opportunity to work with just one company, maybe two mm. at the most, to be able to get what I need because I see that as something that's supporting me and my business. And yeah. I need you as my insurance agent or the organization to really be looking out personally and professionally. Oh, that's a whole rabbit hole. I'm not sure I'm going to follow it, but we maybe we'll come back to it. Um, All right. Well, I mean, because it's it's certainly something that that you know we struggle with professionally, and we talk about quite a bit, you know, in this space. But um, you know, I think the one thing that I'm curious about is somebody who is, uh, you know, just far enough outside of you know, you're you're definitely outside of the industry. But how, how, when you look at our opportunities to sell and, and you're saying, man, you guys are really missing it. Like, is there something that you're seeing that like, if I were in your shoes, if I was selling insurance, this is, you know, just that perspective that we can't get sometimes because we're too close to it. Mm -hmm. Is there, is there something that you kind of see, like, you know, just from that, you know, we always say it's a relationship business and you know, you're kind of the stuff that you just mentioned. Is there an opportunity or something or what do you see as, as just anything that stands out to you that, you sometimes question or yeah so so i think you hit on something there toward the end of that question which is that it's a relationship business and this is something that is important to not only insurance but i would say across industry no matter what you're selling or who you're selling to is the idea that yes we absolutely are in a relationship business but it can't be only the relationship it's a combination of the relationship plus our expertise plus our networks. It's these things that are combined in order to be able to solve their problems. Having a relationship is the start, but we need to be able to bridge that relationship into showing that we truly can be that trusted advisor, that business advisor to a prospect or client. And to me, that goes beyond only having a relationship. Yeah, because then it just gets embarrassing because, you, you know, I mean, it's just like, you know, when your expertise gets questioned or you got the guy down the street, you know, answering questions better than you, it, you know, it just makes that relationship not be very good. And I'm sure I'm sure you've had plenty of well, I'm hoping you haven't had plenty of those situations. But I mean, there's a time where it just it didn't work out for whatever reason. Have you found yourself, uh, you know, what, what let me ask this. What are the signs that you're leaning too heavily on the relationship? Do you have anything that kind of stands out? Yeah, I would say if if you're if you're looking at your let's say you're looking at your top 10 prospects or your top 10 clients. So if you're 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 looking at those two sets. Something that can tell you that you are relying too heavily on the relationship is first if you don't have enough relationships built within that long-term client or even with a prospect and, and even if a prospect is newer being able to get beyond just a single relationship or a single point of contact that's become more and more important today because so many decisions are now made by consensus and by committee so the more relationships that you can have built especially in your top clients 
the better off you will be when it comes to being able to fend off competitors. And if someone leaves an organization, you still have relationships. So, so that, that is something that can be a something you can take away tactically is to look at your top 10 prospects, your top 10 clients, and make sure that you have at least two to four relationships that you're actively building within those. What do you, what, what's your, like, what do you prefer uh, when it comes to getting in there, building relationships? I mean, is there just, I mean, simple ways? I mean, obviously we try to be as natural and non-salesy as, as we, as we can, but I mean, what, right. what, what's your kind of angle? So there might be a couple of angles that I take. The, the first angle is um, when I look at my book of business, 85 to 90% of my book of business is based on relationships and introductions. So when I am looking at my, my pipeline, I can typically pinpoint where that opportunity originated, and it usually originated with a relationship of some kind. So the first angle that I'm going to take is to look at, the, look at who might be able to make an introduction for me, whether it's an outside center of influence, it's maybe a relationship that I have within the prospect or client, that I can rely on because I can get further faster if I'm working with people that already trust me and they're willing to make an introduction on my behalf. So, so that's, that's probably my number one. My number two, especially if I don't have existing relationships, let's say it's in a prospect where you're just starting to build those relationships, I am typically looking for some kind of event that's happening in that organization, a trigger event that I can leverage to reach out to my ultimate decision makers or influencers to use it as a way to open the door. And the trick here, it's not a trick actually, the key here is to help them use that trigger event to help them solve a problem out of the gate so that you can build credibility. So those are probably my top two. Love that you said uh, trigger event. I'm I'm big on trigger events. Um, so you know, being you know the person that is focused on a modern selling, we'll talk about that in a minute. But yeah, you know those trigger events and 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 getting in front of them. Like what's what what's kind of the ways that that you can grease those wheels with modern opportunities, right? To where uh, you know you're you're out in front of people. They're kind of maybe having the ability to be familiar with you before they ultimately meet you or, you know, kind of see your name come across their desk. Uh, what, what are some of those kind of distant, you know, relationship building tools that have worked best for you? Yeah, that's a great question. So if I, if I can, can maybe bucket that into a couple of strategies that someone can take away. Um, so we talk about modern selling and in, in my book, The Modern Seller, I lay out five dimensions that I see individuals needing to build in themselves or in their organizations. And to this idea of relationship building, um, one of them is that the modern seller is social. And the, the crux of that is that those of us that really get it, we see the value in building social capital. And building social capital means that we are building the right relationships in order to accomplish the right goals. So, so these couple of strategies fall, fall into that. 
So one strategy that has been really helpful for me is building my thought leadership and recognition by creating forums. I've created one here locally. I've created one up in uh, in your neck of the woods in the Cleveland area in the past where I've brought together decision makers and influencers in my in my um, verticals that I work in. And I create opportunities for them to network with one another. And I would facilitate conversations over lunch. And I'm, I'm giving, you, giving you the highlights of, of how that worked. But the crux of it was it gave me the opportunity to bring people together to relationship build. And I was the connector. And that it's a long-term play, but it absolutely led to business. So, so that, that's one way that I have built those relationships. And you talk about sometimes building them from afar. Um, the second thing that I, that I do is I am very much in tune with creating thought leadership and putting that out into social media channels, into very targeted places where I know the people that I'd like to do business with, where they are. And so those, those are a couple of things that have been really helpful to me. Yeah, I mean, anybody that knows me, I made it 17 minutes without mentioning the fact that we both live in Ohio and, uh, you know, are from the Northeast Ohio area, which is which is pretty tough for me because it's usually the first thing out of my mouth. But I tried. I tried to hold it off as long as I could, Amy, but we're here and I have to thank you for it. Um, you you know, <laughs> we, um, I mean, we overlook too, you know, we, we overcomplicate it too, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you have, let me actually, let me, let me ask this question. Um, you probably have a national focus would be my guess, right? But you haven't overlooked the value of being very targeted in, you know, specific metropolitan areas around the Ohio area. Is that correct? Yep. And I said, this, this has been a work in progress for me. I am someone who sees, uh, sees a, a, a wide open opportunity in terms of who I can work with, the types of organizations that I work with. And now that's because I, um, I own, own a firm. If you are someone who is working inside an agency, you may have a, a defined territory, a defined client set. Um, but to your exact point, what I had to learn to do was to focus my energies in no more than two or three places so that I could get the most lift because before I did that, I was trying to be all things to all people. And it's really challenging to build a successful book of business being all things to all people. So if anybody listening is struggling with that, I completely get you. Yeah. And I, I really had to discipline myself. And like I said, still a work in progress, um, discipline myself to focus in specific verticals. So my focus areas are professional services, insurance, and technology. And that that's the that is the bulk of my client base these days. Well, you picked a, certainly a good city in Columbus. There's there's only a little bit of it down there. Oh uh, yeah, just a touch. <laughs> a little bit. Um, so all right. So let me. All right. So we're we're back to insurance. I mean, what what do you what do you think? Again, we talked a little bit about it, but I mean, you you actually engage with this community like purposefully on purpose, I guess. I don't know, Amy. I guess you found us by luck or by chance. I'm not entirely sure. I mean, what drew you to this industry one and, and where do you think the opportunities lie? Yeah. So, um, so I'll, I'll start with the first question, which is how, how I came to 
play in this space. I actually don't have a background in insurance at all. I, I grew up in technology. So for the first 10 years of my career, I worked for companies like IBM and Lenovo, and I was in what you would consider a very traditional B2B enterprise selling role. And then I had the opportunity to, to pivot into entrepreneurship, which is probably a Another conversation for another day, but uh, but I have pivoted into entrepreneurship and in the learning and development space. And being in Columbus, there is a very heavy uh, insurance industry focus here in Columbus. So part of it was by geography. My couple of my first early clients were in the insurance space, and it got a, got a foothold there, and it it just grew from there. Yeah. And so it's looked like a blend of of a carrier on the broker side um is but but it really started probably a little bit by chance and then realized that hey there's a lot of opportunity here and it, let, let's explore this a little bit further and that's how it just continued to grow. Yeah, and that's you know a lot of agents struggle with that too and I'm always you know kind of saying hey pick pick a niche you know pick a type of people that you want to do business with and and they always kind of push by well I can't have the same conversation over and over again or you know they they're reluctant to kind of commit to people and again you don't look at insurance and say yes those guys I can I can get that yeah. you know what I mean and uh and and but it sounds like you just said listen this you know i mean i think they're decent human beings i i, I don't know that they're the best but you know they're good people and i think i can tolerate <laughs> them you know and 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 i you know i have i have three three niches that do do overlap in some way i say the con the commonality in all of my niches is that it is typically something that is service oriented mm -hmm. there is typically a level of complexity in the sale and it is also something that's really consultative it, it we're not we're not selling a widgets or something that's transactional we are selling something that is is for the long term so if you are trying to figure out where your vertical might be or where your niche is maybe look for a commonality in across a couple of niches and see where you can maybe marry those together like me so i have three and insurance is one of them yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I, I, that's that's spectacular. There's a lot of tech down in Columbus too, I think, if I'm correct. Right? Yeah, there is a there is a lot of tech um, for sure, and then um, professional services again is something that um, I, I would not say that I purposefully chose it. I think it chose me, and I saw some opportunities there, and have just just taken those opportunities and decided, you know, hey, there there's a there's great opportunity here. I can really add value to prospects and clients. So, so let's explore this one further. Um, all right. Possibly an unfair question. Let's say, <laughs> uh, let's say you can only take, you can only remember one skill or tactic, and this is your first day as an insurance producer. What, okay. are, you, what are you doing? So it's my first day as an insurance producer, and there's one thing that I should be doing, and what is it? One thing that you is can that, remember that, that you know now that you've accumulated over your, your vast career. There's one thing you could like just pick to remember and take with you into that first day. What is it? Yeah, if, it, if, it's, your, if it's my first day as a producer, the thing that I would want to remember is that my mindset is the most important thing that I own. The way that I show up and the way that I 
the way I show up and the mindset that I bring is going to determine my success more than anything else. All right. So we touched upon it a little bit earlier and I want to get back to a little bit. Now, I don't want to get you in too much trouble because you might have some insurance carriers as clients, but I mean, just overall, just, you know, we like to kind of, uh, we like to prognosticate a little bit on just the, the future of the industry and things like that. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, from, from, you know, just your, your experience in advising people up and down the insurance food chain, mm-hmm. you know, what's one thing if you could just say, man, if we could just get this out of the way and do this differently, the sales experience or whatever would be that much better. Mm. So I would say that what I'm going to share affects not only the carrier space, but also the broker space. And that is the the talent side of it. Mm. I continually hear in this space that the talent piece continues to be a challenge. And the people that you hire into your organization and the sales culture that you build has to be able to not only withstand and thrive in the environments as they are today, but you have to have a sales organization that has the agility to be able to look into the future and to be able to withstand the disruptions that are happening in the industry. And and that is part of the reason that I wrote the book, because I see these skill sets as these skill sets that hands down, you have to build if you're going to be successful in the future. Before we start to wrap things up, um, why don't you tell people where can they get the book? Where can they find more about you? Where can they get in touch with you? All that fun stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So I will give you two places. The The best place to find me is amyfranco.com. You can connect with me there, learn about the book. And then the book uh, is also available on Amazon. Amazon. What's that place? Is that a little niche website? Yeah. I mean, you may have heard of it. Yeah. I think they're kind of up and coming. Yeah. Um, so we talked, we said, you said the D word disruption. I can't let yeah. you out of here with out kind of forecasting, you know, what do you like, what do you see? Like what's, you know, just as a, as a, as again, a, as somebody that's, you know, in sales and, and kind of constantly paying attention to where things are going, yeah. what's, what's our biggest risk? What, what are the things that we should be paying attention to? Or like, we touched on opportunity, but I mean, what do you see as, as, as kind of impacting the sales environment with that disruption coming down? Yeah, I would say one of the biggest disruptors that will continue to be here is around the digital space and how to marry the need to be in the digital space and selling in the digital space with also being able to provide the level of personalized client experience that people do expect. So it's the balance of digital plus the in-person relationship is going to continue to be a challenge. Um, do you have any sort of like, I don't want to say like a ratio, but I mean, like what, what do you view as, you know, kind of a healthy kind of balance and, 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 and where do you, do you have, let me, let me actually, let me go this way because I think this is more, more relevant. Um, you know, we talked a lot about sales, but where do you draw the line as far as, cause a lot about insurance is service. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with the, with those, like you said, in the digital space and, and being able to offload things at what point, like if you had to put like goalposts, like a start and a stop point up for an insurance sale, uh, let's say on the broker side of things, 
yeah. where would that exist for you? Like, what do you think the most important things are to maintain those relationships and, and really just kind of keep you as effective and efficient as possible to, you know, eventually work towards having other people do those ancillary things on the fringes? So if I am running an agency and I'm looking at the balance of my book, what I'm looking for, I'm looking for a couple of things. I'm looking for who are my top clients that I need to make sure that they remain loyal to me and I'm able to find opportunities to get more products and services in with those clients. Our loyal clients are one of our biggest untapped opportunities when it comes to um, when it comes to being able to grow our book of business. So, so that would be one thing that I'm looking for is that balance of working with my current existing loyal clients to build that book and then balancing that with the new business that's coming in. And this will tie in your question about the digital piece. Our new client acquisition, so many of our prospects are doing research on us before we even know that they want to engage with the product or service that we sell. So it's really imperative that we provide the right type of digital presence and thought leadership so that those prospects coming in the pipeline can engage with us. But then, and I think this gets to the heart of your question, there has to be that ability to turn that online relationship into an offline relationship so that you can then continue to have the opportunity to build loyalty. Yeah. So you said something that I'm, I would be curious on your opinion of, of the, they're doing the research, right? Um, I think we've gotten to a point where that's, that's an accepted sort of idea. Like they're going to at least maybe check out our website, but it hasn't really gone much deeper, at least in the insurance industry on a wide level to where, you know, to the level that you might you know, kind of know it to be beneficial. And how, how deep do you think that needs to be for somebody to be able to, I, you know, I, I, I kind of would say it as building the relationship on their terms, right? With you, you're not there. They get to do it at their discretion. How deep do you prefer somebody to be able to go? Like what, what's the limit? At least I guess table stakes at this point in time. Oh, that's a good question. So, um, it, it depends. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, so it's, it is in this, some of this is a little bit more art than science, I suppose. Um, and this also comes down to what kind of technology do you maybe have, whether you're a carrier or whether you're an agency to be able to track the effectiveness of what you're putting out into the digital mm -hmm. space yeah. and what people engage with. Um, there's a, I, I'm not sure I have an exact specific answer to that question, except to say, when you look at your digital presence, do you have a, a level of confidence? And you might even ask your clients this, but do you have a level of confidence that the thought leadership that you're putting out there, are you providing and being a resource for people that will land in your space? to make them say, I want to continue the conversation with Amy, or I want to continue the conversation with Joey. That is going to be different for every prospect, but at a minimum, I would say that your digital presence, whether it's your website, whether it's anything on social media, has to be able to display your credibility and your thought leadership in, in specific niches 
in order for someone to want to continue the conversation with you. Amy, I'm going to wrap it up with this. If you could give them one thing, at least that you feel has worked best for you, that has allowed people to want to continue the conversation with you, what would that be? If I could pick one thing that would allow people, that make people want to continue the conversation with me. Like, like, like the thing yeah. that has worked best for you, for them, for somebody, like the thing that you've, you, again, one of the things that you can kind of point to and say, man, this is the one that always gets mentioned. This is the one they're always saying, man, I, I, I did this, I saw this, this happened, and I had to talk to you. What is that thing that, I, I don't know if it's applicable to insurance or not, but what is that thing for you? I would say for me, it is, um, it is speaking engagements where someone says, I saw you speak at this conference, I saw you at this event, you shared something with me that has really impacted me, I've taken it away with me, and I want to continue the conversation with you. So for me, I would say that that's speaking engagements. And the lesson for all of us is to experiment and to find that one thing that is something that you are you love doing that you are great at and also gives you the opportunity to be in front of your target prospects or clients so that they can say that about you.